2: because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones.
0: Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm January Jones, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast today. As you can see, I'm doing my new brand promotion I'm now being known as the Glitter Granny Hat Lady. (laughs) And today I'm wearing my Women's History green hat. You know, actually, hats are just terrific, because then you don't really have to fuss that much with your hair. (laughs) Now, for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Did you know it's Women's History Month, March March is the time to celebrate women everywhere in the world. And we're going to try to do that today on our show. Tell me, do you know why we need to elect more women to represent all of us? Yes, we need lots more. Why do you think women are more likely to reach across the aisle in Congress and can actually get things done? Have you ever wondered why women are better at fast-tracking new ideas? Eh, Think about your mother. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would be like to be able to go from the kitchen to Congress and be successful? Do you wish you could meet someone who can tell you how to do it? Tell me, have you ever heard about an amazing book entitled The Wickedly Smart Woman? Now, that's a title I like. (laughs) If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions, then you are in the right place. And I would like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Story. So now it's time to rest, relax, go get some wine, get some cheese and crackers, and join me in the no-wine zone. Now let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Whether Women's History Month in March or any time, my interview guest could not be timelier since she will discuss the five reasons why we need to elect more women beyond merely for purposes of equal representation. My guest will talk about why women are likely to reach across the aisle to get things done, why they are better at fast-tracking new ideas. She is the former mayor of Grover Beach, California, and the host of the podcast, The Corruption Chronicles. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, Debbie Peterson. Hi, Debbie. How are you doing? Hi, January. I'm great. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. I I had Cindy Watson on the show last week, and she said that you were dear friends. And I was so looking forward to this uh, show today. Uh, Before we get to the actual interview, could you share with my listeners how the pandemic has affected your career, your personal life, and tell us how you uh, coped with the pandemic pause that we've all been through?
1: Yes, I I have a, a number of strings to my bow. So uh, when the pandemic hit, I panicked. I I thought, oh my goodness, none of my Airbnbs will have any bookings and um, we can't sell real estate because no one can go anybody's house. So as a real estate broker, I'm sunk. And um, mm-hmm. I was starting to write, but I didn't have any kind of income from being an author at that point. And um, so I panicked and and quit paying my mortgage and got forbearance from my mortgage companies and, um, and then uh, found that for the first time ever, Uh, In the United States, I lived in Britain for 20 years, it was different, but for the first time ever in the United States, all of a sudden, there was funding available to help get through the crisis, and so I took out a small business administration loan that I'm repaying now and and took advantage of some of those things, and that got me through, but the other thing I discovered was that, in fact, um, my Airbnb business was busier than ever because everybody needed to get out of Dodge you know, well, folks just had to travel and they could travel together in small family groups and that worked. So in fact I had um a couple of very, very good years. Okay. And uh That's I have awesome. to say I really I I loved being able just to be alone for a while. And now of course I, I just crave and, and love more than ever seeing people, seeing friendly faces again. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me the um the quiet of it all.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: sorry. Speaking <laughs> <Thinking> of which, <laughs>
0: that's my partner, Gingerale. My, my I love it. <laughs> so she's greeting him.
1: <laughs> well, I'll
0: tell you, it helped.
1: I had uh, she's she's gone now, but um, I had a dog during that time, and you know that really helped. You you need someone there or mm-hmm. some well a dog or someone.
0: Yeah, well, I know what you're saying about the dog situation. We lost our uh, dog during the pandemic, our dog that we had had for 12 years, and of course we were devastated, and we thought, oh, we can never get another dog to replace her. Well, within a month's time, we had ginger ale with
1: us. Yeah, yeah. I always
0: admire folks who can do that right
1: away. I I travel so much now that I I don't want a dog, Um, maybe a
0: cat, but even cats get upset when you leave. Oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, let's get on to Women's History Month, March. Uh, We're halfway through it, and it's such an important time. I was reading in this morning's paper about the uh, women's, Uh, world soccer team and how it took them over three years fighting the legal battle in the courts so that they could get the exact same pay and representation that the men's teams have had all along. Wow, three years, and here they were the world champions. Isn't that amazing that it would take that long to equalize the
1: situation? Yeah, it is. And and on an, on the other hand, I'm surprised they won. I, I don't know that I really expected that. And I'm glad they did. It's mm-hmm. about time. And I had an interesting conversation. You know, I started, I've been talking about women in, in um, elected office. And I have a friend who's been a mentor and a supporter for many years, who's about 15 years older than I am. And I, one day it occurred to me, and I asked her, why, why is it that we allow ourselves as 51% of the population to be represented by only 29% of elected women? Why do we even allow that? What, what's up with that? Here we are in a, a nation where we talk about equality and we aren't even, we're hardly halfway there. And why do we allow
0: that? It's when you step back and look at it, you think, are we crazy? <laughs> you no. Know, it's so hard to imagine and I've talked about this with other guests, the fact that so many other countries have had such successful women leadership. You know, we've got Margaret Thatcher and Gandhi, mm-hmm. all through and Germany, all through the world, all these countries have had women leaders. I'm still waiting for it to happen here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping it happens in my lifetime and I think it'll be, it's long, in my opinion, it's long, long overdue. Don't you agree? I do agree. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree.
1: And um, the easy way to make it happen, well, there's no easy way to do that, but the easy way, easier way is to start local. And, you know, you don't have to run for Congress. You can apply, You can volunteer in your own town and run for city council or run for mayor and and um, learn how it all works that way. So it, it's possible to do without having to go straight to the top. Yeah. And a lot of times people at the local level move up. And um, so it's, it's a good opportunity to build your base by starting a local.
0: Well, we'll be sharing this with our listeners because you know of what you speak having been the mayor yourself. Uh, what an amazing thing to do. I can't imagine running for mayor. How brave you were. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it
1: didn't
0: seem brave at the
1: time. I, um, there are a lot of things that came after that were much braver, but um, <laughs> okay. um, you know, I had been on the city planning commission for four years and then elected as a city council member for four years. So by the time I ran for mayor, I'd been serving for eight years, and I had a good feel for or, um the community and and how I could serve so that that really was that as I, I was saying earlier, it was a natural progression and and it allowed me to do it um fairly seamlessly
0: yeah and and I'm assuming that you had tremendous support from your family and friends I did. Um, yeah, that would be part of the equation there's no way you could do it without them. Um, no. We're going to talk about uh, the most important historical contribution that women have made in our country's history when we come back from our break. And it's a short break, so if you are a whiner or know someone who is a whiner, this book is for you.
2: Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Whine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Whine at Amazon.com.
0: Welcome back, and my book, Thou Now Shot Wine, is now available at audible.com, too. We're back with Debbie Peterson, who is not a whiner because she is a winner. And Debbie, let's talk a little bit about the the contribution that women have made to this country's history. Well, the interesting
1: thing is that women did not whine men got the vote, African-American men got the vote 50 years before women of any color and um, women just got stuck in and they worked and they didn't just work to get the vote um, but they were the original progressives and um, in fact we're at that point mostly Republicans not Democrats and um, they were the original progressives and they fought for the things they were passionate about. They fought for vaccinations um, they fought for women guards in jails instead of male guards. They fought for, um, of course, they fought for temperance, which in, in retrospect perhaps wasn't the best fight. But there were good reasons because there were, was no social safety net for, for women and widows. Women at that point were considered chattel. They were considered the property of their of men. Basically, their husbands, their families, their fathers, their brothers, and and so women got stuck in, and they really went after um, the things uh, safe drink, safe milk for children, um, things that that mattered, things that make us happy when they work right. Yeah. And and women women are really good at making sure people are
0: happy. <laughs> got their values right. Yeah. You know, I shared with my listeners last week that my husband and I recently saw an incredible play called The Silent Sky. Mm -hmm. And this play, I don't know if you're familiar, it's about with Henrietta Leavitt. And she was one of the first astronomers. And this was back in the early 1900s. And she had graduated from Sarah Lawrence. And she worked at Harvard. And she was one of, they called them computers. These were women who analyzed the data that were taken from the photographs of the astronomy of the sky. They were incredible, and because of women like her, the Hubble uh, microscope was telescope was developed. But the interesting thing is, these women were not allowed under any circumstance to touch or go near the big uh, telescope there where where they were working, and it took years before they were allowed to do that, and of course, these were all early suffragettes, and they were working to get the vote, and it's so hard to imagine a world where women couldn't vote.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, it blows my mind. And, and the interesting thing that happened after that, I, my family are all from Kansas city originally. And so I did for one of my books, I did a lot of research on Kansas city. And, um, it was interesting to me how they did make the changes. Of course, we all know that women are, uh, have figured out how to manipulate their husbands (laughs) (laughs) so that their husbands think that they're in charge. And, um, but, but there was, they also figured out how to do that, um, The women's groups and organizations were extremely powerful 100 years ago, and they worked together. The the African American and the Jewish and the the mainstream white women's associations worked together on causes. And um, and on the other hand, when they were able to get the vote, they they did start running for office. And in Kansas City, it was so discouraging. They were so beat up over it it you know not not physically beat up but so beat up over it that that on the city council of kansas city i think the last woman to serve was in the 20s and they didn't see another woman on the council for 50 almost 40 or 50 years
0: wow. and they went
1: to school boards though women went to school boards where they could make a difference mm-hmm. because women were teachers they were allowed to teach so they could get onto to school boards mm-hmm. so um, women managed to change the world, and apparently, I was, I was on a podcast yesterday where the, the host was talking about what women have invented, and I was, I've been trying to find that article. She wrote an article about it, but it's amazing. Women apparently invented the refrigerator and all kinds of things, and her comment was women are, you know, we, necessity is the mother. It's the mother of invention, which is telling, and of um, course, Mother Earth. As well, so there's some telling comments in there about what we've been able to do.
0: Yeah, and you know, when you put it in the hands of a woman, quite frankly, nothing would surprise me as far as doing things. So fun to hear that you have a Kansas background. We have a grandson who is playing bo- basketball at Ottawa University mm. in Kansas, so we're very familiar with Kansas and cheer that team on every chance we get. Now. When we're talking about history, it is selective and subjective. What's the case with uh, women's history? How has that been shared with our country? I, it really
1: has had to, in many cases, almost be an oral history. Um, but as I noticed, as, as universities come to mind because, as I noticed when I was researching for my um, for a couple of the recent books, that the the women's history and the women's contribution is now being documented at a lot of universities. And um, so, so we're, it's getting better. It's getting better. And the other thing I've observed is that whenever you have an oral history, a family oral history, and, and this came to me from another Midwestern person up in, in Minnesota who is writing about his oral history on the Titanic. Oh. And yeah, fascinating. And all of a sudden, he's been able to validate all these myths that have come down through the years. And, and I think that's true of women's history. And it it's true if you look at African-American history. And we have an inordinate, inordinate amount of African-American women who were heroes. When you look at, the, at the, you know, the, the variations between populations and percentages, we have seem to have more African-American women as heroes than we do of any other race as heroes or heroines. Heroines, not heroes. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so those things suddenly are being documented, but they're documented in oral histories a lot. And oral histories are surprisingly valid. They're surprisingly correct.
0: Yes, we're finding that out. And we're also seeing that the strength that comes from the matriarch, matriarch society where the women are and doing the most important things, keeping the family together, sharing their stories, educating. We, we have a niece who uh, went into the Peace Corps and mm-hmm. she married a Micronesian from the island of Palau, which is also a matriarchal society. Oh, and it was quite an education for us to learn about her life in the Micronesia, and the issues for women there, and you know what, they're pretty much the same issues that we all share.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting thing about all of this, and even when we talk about democracy, it's it's something around the world that all of us want, we're seeking. (laughs) And um, it is it's a global thing. One of the historical things in the United States is when when the colonials came over to this country, um, the women were chattel; they were owned by their husbands, they were allowed to do really pretty much nothing. And, um, but the Iroquois nation of, of Native Americans had um, the first written constitution in the world, and it's still used. And that they they first uh, it was first written I believe in in eleven in the late eleven hundreds, and in that society men were men were the ones who were the um, congressmen as it were but it was women who selected them, mm-hmm. and it was the women elders who took them out if they didn't behave if they didn't represent folks and there were five Iroquois nations that got together it was a it was um, it was a peace accord that caused them to write to write their constitution. And um, in fact, our constitution was very much modeled on that. George Washington, Ben Franklin, I think John Adams too, met often with the Iroquois to understand how they modeled theirs. And they modeled it, it's the same, except for uh, women, women having rights. That was the main difference. And and the the principle of the seventh generation, which is that um, the choices we make now affect unto the seventh generation
0: which is a biblical principle also okay seventh. that is brilliant um wonderful iroquois women way to go girl (laughs) yeah well right now we're going to take a break and it's 60 years later after the assassination of john kennedy
2: let me ask you a question are you still wondering who killed kennedy Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle, connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones.
0: Welcome back, and I'm pleased to announce that Oh No, Jackie O has just come out in audiobook, and it's narrated by Jeannie Krakoran. And she'll be on our show next week. Right now, we're back with Debbie Peterson, who is the author of The Wickedly Smart Woman. (laughs) I love that title. I think that's correct. And then you also wrote a book, Happiest Corruption. What prompted you to write that book?
1: Uh, That's the story of what I uncovered when I became mayor. And um, people came to me with stories of corruption, and as I started to investigate those stories, I, I realized that they were true, and in fact, it was far worse than we could have possibly imagined, and mm-hmm. it's, it's an unfinished story, so oh, really? that's why the, the subtitle of The Happiest Corruption is Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town, because every single one of those things happened. Mm-hmm. yeah, more than more than once, probably, that's and...
0: Um, sounds positively delicious, my- and... <laughs> Big question is now, did they run you out of town after you wrote it, or is that when they
1: elected you mayor? Well, that's a funny story. I was elected mayor before they knew I was going to come up with all of this stuff, uh-huh. and um, and I'm sure they would like to run me out of town, and I think they've made some, some efforts. The funniest thing of all, and this is how Wickedly Smart Women came to be, is that um, I had a, a publisher say to me, oh, you must be famous in your town for what you've done. And I said, yes, I am. I'm a hero to many people. And then there's the ones who don't like me too much, like the Chamber of Commerce doesn't want anybody talking about the dirty little secret of San Luis Obispo. And and that's what she said. Oh, you're the dirty little secret. And I said, yeah, I can't give my books out as door prizes at the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> and it's unofficial, according to a local youth bookstore. The book is unofficially, well, I shouldn't say unofficially, it's banned in this county. But um, I've had a lot of readers and a lot of speaking opportunities. And, um, and I think it's important when we speak about corruption, psychologists are now saying that speaking about the consequences, both you go to jail if you do it and here's how it hurts people, mm-hmm. um, change it. They actually uh, have a psychological influence and they can change it. So I started doing that because I realized there was nothing else I could do. And, um, and yes, it is quite a story. And, and we're looking at putting it on the screen now. So um, in my meeting before you was, was with a producer. So um, yeah. hopefully that will change things. That's my goal. Let's make it better. Let's make okay. it better. Let's make people aware so they can fix it.
0: Okay. These small town stories are delicious, as we know.
1: Yeah.
0: And in wickedly smart woman, your premise is trusting intuition and then taking action. And this transforms world. Um, And it's women in positions of power who can do this. They can take positions and they can allow action. They can allow things to change. Can you give us some examples of how that works in the real life, perhaps in your small city or in the world?
1: Yeah. In fact, the Wickedly Smart Women uh, book is an anthology, and that is somebody else's brand, not mine. I wish it was mine. It's fabulous. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was so taken with it that I agreed to write a chapter in the anthology. And as I started to write about the corruption that I would found, I only had 2,500 words. I realized that although men and women equally fought the corruption, when it came to actually making the change, it was women in government positions. It was women who were CEOs on boards who said, hold on a minute, this what's going on here doesn't look good, let's fix this, and then brought the men along. And um, that is an international phenomenon. I didn't know it at the time. I wondered, is this just me? Was this just my experience or does this happen everywhere? And I started to research it, and I found that the United Nations has done a lot of studies on it. And in in, um, in Nigeria, where women are, are the majority of boards, Every, the communities have better water, better water supplies, safer water supplies. In Norway, even though women are 45% of the elected uh, uh, people in the country, mm-hmm. um, in, in communities where they are the majority, the childcare services are better and more free, you know, they have more child care, better child care. And, yeah. and so it's that same thing that women will fight for what they're passionate about. Um, but the other amazing finding is that when women are in office, um, communities rate themselves as happier. Oh, not just the 51% of us who would like to be fully represented, but the, um, which means we've got to get off our backsides. Um, mm-hmm. But also, the men because they're you know it's it's a majority. Mm-hmm.
0: What? do you why do you think it is that women are you know? I think it's we've been held back for so long. And it's about time for it to happen, for women to start taking action, for start getting involved. And we're seeing that in Congress. I mean, it's just every year it's better and better as far as more women representing us. And uh, what do you think inspires most women in this uh, direction?
1: Well, I'll tell you what I hope inspires them. Um, you know, the the original concept of of public service was that it is public service, that we're public servants, that we go in to serve and represent our communities. And that would be my hope, that that would be their motivation. Um, there are all kinds of motivations and, and um, that that's a problem, because when, people, when people's motivation isn't um, service above self, then we end up with people whose motivation is self above service and we have problems. Um, But that, in fact, we have found again that where women are in charge, there is less corruption. So uh, that's another very good reason to elect
0: women. Yeah. And, you know, I read and see so much about women's uh, movement as far as uh, the gun situation in this Mm -hmm. country and how that women are, Leading us in that direction, and I think that it is so important on the local level for this to happen. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah. Yes. And and the local level is always the place where where it really happens. And what people don't realize is that their local elected representatives meet regularly with um with their state congressmen and the national congressmen. And because um, the the people at higher levels want to understand what how to represent those who, how to represent their constituents. And so if there's something that matters at the local level, um, you can still influence at a higher level, perhaps through even stronger channels by um, making sure that it's understood by the, that your local councils. Mm
0: -hmm. And, you know, it's amazing. I just feel is there there's this uh, can do spirit in this new generation of women coming up. And many of them are just not as inhibited and they're not shy about stepping up to the plate and taking a swing at these issues. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a woman in this country. Don't you agree? I agree and I love it. And going back to my friend who was
1: 15 years older, she said, you know, we did so much. And I think back and my mother, my mother my influence on all of this. She did so much. and And now we're influencing our sons as well. And, and our sons are, are willing to be influenced. Um, And, and, um, and yeah, I definitely, I, I just love this new generation of women and um, I feel so encouraged, so Mm -hmm. encouraged that they are going to get in there, shake it up and make it better.
0: Yeah. And especially right now, our country seems to be going through a a depression. I think everything with the pandemic and everything that piled on top of everyone, lots of pressure, lots of stress. And in your opinion, why are people happier in countries where women are in power? Is it because they feel safer or what prompts them to be happy?
1: I think you nailed it. No one's ever quite phrased it as they feel safer, um, mm-hmm. but I think that is what it is because the findings are, are very surprising. Yes, they're happier when women are in power or when there's an equal number, more equal representation, mm-hmm. but they're also less corrupt, and the finding about the corruption from the United Nations is, and and we've been reading it for years now um, in corporations, when women are on boards, they are less corrupt, significantly less corrupt, and it's corruption that is the main driver in unhappiness, so um, in the countries where people rate themselves as
0: happier, there's a lot less corruption, and there are a lot more women. Okay, and women are prepared to take on corruption. Does this come from the way they're raised as children that women are inclined to, you know, be the do-gooders and always helping people? Is this just part of the uh, structure of womanhood?
1: That's really interesting. I, I don't know the answer. And I don't think that I, I write a blog for psychology today. And so far I haven't, a psychologist. I haven't quite figured that one out either. There's not enough, you know, we don't really have that answer, but I, I do think that there is, I agree that there's gotta be an element as we are, we are trained to be caregivers. We are trained to be helpers. And I don't think it's just socialization. I think partly it's, um, it's our DNA. (laughs) It's the way we're wired. It's, Mm -hmm. um, it's who we are. And, um, it's good to have that balance. That's why there's two different kinds of people and more, in fact, because we need that balance. And um, but I think also it's because we have never been members of the good old boys club and we don't know how to play that game. And, and Cindy Watson talked a lot about how do we play that game? I'm sure when she came on a week or so ago, but um, we don't know how to play that game. And so we just play our own game.
0: Yeah. And, and I think uh, most little girls uh, quite a few of them are programmed to be people pleasers. Oh yeah. Yeah. And once you're in that position of pleasing people, of course, you're not going to be corrupt. You're not, and you, you're smart enough to know that's not going to please anyone. So you uh, definitely have a path cut out for you. And uh, I, I'm, I can easily believe that women are less corrupt and less tempted than men in this world.
1: I think we're tempted by different things. And uh, when they do studies on um, the drug trade, they find that women can be equally as corrupt as men, in some cases even more. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but, you know, what what a phenomenon. Uh, Wouldn't it be something if the people who we elect to represent us actually wanted to please us? (laughs) Not themselves. That
0: would be magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a little bit about being a people pleaser myself. And right now, <laughs> I'd like to share with our listeners some priceless personalities who have been guests on my show through the years. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? people who have struggled to find solutions, people who fearlessly shared their stories, people who have not only informed you but inspired you, people who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories, and it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Welcome back with our own priceless personality today, who is visiting with us, Debbie Peterson. You know, Debbie, uh, sometimes it can get so confusing when people uh, wanna get involved, when they wanna help. It, uh, it's overwhelming and they don't know how to do it or where to start. Could you share, give us a few hints on things that they could do to slowly dip their toe into the involvement world? Yes, and the
1: first thing I want to say is that, is that, you know, a lot of us have heard that biblical principle that, that we need all the different parts of the body. The little toes as important as the brain, and, and if you don't have one, it doesn't work. And that's true for all of us, and so some of us will be mayors, and some of us will be the people who send emails and say, elect this mayor because she's got integrity. Some people uh, will be the ones who just show up. So the first thing, the very first thing is so simple, it's show up. Go to the meetings you can go online you can find out or call the city hall and find out when when the meetings are start local and um, go to a few meetings and when you do that I I, I do confess you 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 may become addicted <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> all,
1: yeah we have to have a warning here um, all of a sudden you'll you'll start meeting people you never thought you'd meet you'll oh. You're finding out what's actually going on in your town, not what you think is going on or what it looks like is going on, but you'll be able to really get a handle on what's happening and participate in that. And, and if it's something that's really important where there are a lot of people that are concerned about it, simply showing up and being at a meeting and raising your hand when someone else shares to say you agree, that Ooh. can be enough. And um, so, so some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts, and we all use our skills and gifts. But use what you've got. Work with what you've got and uh,
0: share it with your community. Mm-hmm. That was a brilliant disclaimer that you just shared with us. I love it. And uh, some people go, oh, what's the difference? There's always going to be corruption, always will, always was, always will be. Nothing I do will make a difference. What's the fallacy with that kind of thinking?
1: Well, that's absolutely true. You do nothing, you'll make no difference. And, <laughs> and um, so it couldn't be more correct. And um, yes, there will always be corruption. And it's the level of corruption and it's understanding, for instance, in uh, the, the danger of it. In my community, um, we didn't have mental health beds or rehab beds. We still have very few. Every mm-hmm. other county did. And, I, and the reason we didn't is because funds aren't there. And the funds aren't there because they went into the wrong pockets. And um, so people do truly suffer, and people die. And my city council, um, shortly before I, I resigned, um, only allowed people with felons to have cannabis dispensary permits. The local people who had integrity and good backgrounds and good business people, they were literally run out of town, many of them. And and so within two years of the three um, cannabis dispensaries we had, two of the owners had we're back in jail. <laughs> we're, we're convicted of felonies again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when you invite that to town, now we have the highest rate of accidental fentanyl deaths in the United States. Because, and this was born out historically with the mafia, and, and, and when you um, bring that level of people to town, they bring their product line and they bring their people. Mm-hmm. And, and it kills your kids. And that's why you should get involved.
0: You mentioned that you resigned. Would you uh, care to share with us what happened that would cause you to do that?
1: Yes. I, I had been, um, as I said, uh, in it 10 years by the time I finished my term as mayor and had planned to move on and start to write, then stayed for another five years because of the corruption. I, I There were still some things I could do to fix some of it. And, um, I got to the point when I was completely outnumbered and I was one of five people on a council yeah. who were criminals. And so I, um, I realized that the best thing I could do would be to tell the story. It would be to resign because I couldn't have any effect anymore on what was really happening. I was outnumbered, but mm-hmm. I could write about it and see if I could get the attention.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's brilliant. Uh, tell us a little bit about your integrity 101 series and uh, share with our listeners how they can find it and what what's it all about. It sounds enticing.
1: Yes, that that name came up from um, uh, a meeting with Jack Canfield, who was the Chicken Soup for the Soul author, and and he said, you know, Debbie, everything you're doing is all about integrity, and it's fascinating for me to read about this as someone who lives in a small town in California and by the beach, not very far from your beach. um, mm-hmm. Why don't you do an Integrity 101 series? And so what I've done is I've combined my books, Happiest Corruption, City Council 101, and then my online course, Double Dias, Adventures in the Local Government. I've combined those all under the um, Integrity 101 series. And I'll be doing more in that series as, as, as the years move along. Um, and what amazed me was there's nothing online. I was the only one doing Integrity 101.
0: <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, that is scary. And, and if anyone is interested in finding it, uh, I'm sure it is at your website. And yes. all of uh, this information is at the bottom of the screen. So take your pencil, paper, write it down, contact her if she has any questions. And uh, when will there be a new series? When will Integrity 101 be starting up again?
1: Uh, the next one will be out in the next couple of months, and it is um, We the People, How to Beat City Hall. So oh. that will answer a lot of the questions. And, yes, mm-hmm. DebbiePeterson.com, just my You can link to all of the books. You can link to the online course. I've got a special offer on the course. It's, it's $97. They're usually three ninety seven, dollars but I want the message out there. I want people equipped. So you can, you can equip yourself to be very effective in local government very quickly with that
0: course wonderful and there it is right there for anyone who is uh thinking about getting involved thinking about turning things around and you know this is the kind of thing you don't have to immerse yourself you can do it in baby steps and slowly figure it all out you know we're closing this wonderful podcast out right now and debbie i always ask all my guests before we close if you could have lunch or dinner with anyone living or dead besides me, who would you like to share your meal with? You know, my hero all
1: these years has always been Richard Branson. And um, I started watching him as an entrepreneur when I was young. And he uh, he was a high school dropout. All his father was a judge, he came from a, you know an intelligent family. Um, and look what he's done. And, yeah. uh, and he's always had... Uh, uh, he's always had a sense of humor he's always been creative and as far as I can tell he's always been ethical so I, I would love to have lunch with Richard Banson
0: well then yeah sure then he could jump in one of his planes and fly away <laughs> maybe go to the moon because he's going way up there now <laughs> yeah, yeah and I noticed that on that one launch he had an elderly woman that was a part of it which really impressed me I mean I'm not quite ready to volunteer, but but I'm glad he's doing it. And, you know, Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been so wonderful to share you with our listeners, and we hope everyone has enjoyed our time together. We have tried to be informative, and Debbie certainly is inspiring, Next Tuesday, live at 2 p.m., Story Jeannie will be with me, Jeannie Kokorin, who did the audio for my book, Oh No, Jackie O. So we're going to be talking all about the JFK assassination 60 years later. Now for my 80-year-old thought of the day. Sometimes not saying anything is the best answer. And that is because your silence can never, ever, ever be misquoted. So there you go.
2: <laughs>
0: Signing off from the Green Hat Lady, thank you for entering our no wine zone. Please share our stories and our show with everyone you know. And remember, you need to stop whining right now, and then you need to start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can just start eating chocolate. Lots and lots of chocolate. Again, thank you, Debbie Peterson. Now, everyone, take care and stay safe until we meet again next Tuesday.
2: We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it that's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.